just out of sight So if you see her, turn on the light And if she's hungry and you can be food You can love her if that is your mood Welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway. This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show. Coming to you on Power Talk, please go to our website, powertalk.live. Download our free app to your smartphone so you can stream all of our live local programming, including the Jake Feinberg Show. And can't thank you enough for making us part of your day today. And it is uh, really an honor to bring back a, a friend of the program, um, somebody who is. Um, just riffing uh, on so many different topics uh, in an improvisational setting, but it's obvious that um, she is steeped in tradition. She understands the knowledge of that. And again, the most important thing for me is the discovery of how she applies these things in her own practices. Um, uh, but no doubt an enlightening uh, force, a life force uh, that will be reckoned with and has been reckoned with and will continue to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Dana Saray, welcome back to the Jake mm-hmm. Feinberg Show. Thank you so much, Jake. Such an honor to be here this morning. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. We heard the, the sweet voice of Levon Helm. Um, I, did you, did you uh, get a chance to see Levon Helm play? I never have. Nope. I... I that was the first time I heard that song. Well, I mean, he was part of the the group, the band. Uh, okay. You know, right. with, with it sounded like that sort of. <laughs> you sort know, of felt that Grateful Dead energy a little bit in there, that era. Right, it more more that root the roots uh, folk kind of kind of vibe. But um, you know, I I I wanted you to talk about um to the audience uh, a memory or a time that you. Um, for the one of the first times that that you dropped from your mind to your heart. Hmm. Hmm. The first time. No, not the first time. I'm just saying, like when you like, yeah, you know, because you were talking last time about the superficiality of the mind, and mm-hmm. and being entrapped in the uh, mm. in, in the mind, and and then you talked about these stages of dropping, and mm. I was just hoping you could talk about when you uh, a time you remember dropping to the heart, especially when you mm. were sort of, you know, on your, you know, sort of on your maiden voyage. Mm. Wow. Well, you know, one of the, I think what's coming most alive for me is um, I have a 14-year-old son, and I had him at a really young age. I was 23 years old, which... For many of us, is pretty young. For some, maybe it's not not so not so young. But for me, it was young. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Wow. So that journey has really been a huge journey of dropping from the mind to the heart. And I remember um, really struggling with that, you know, at, at 22 years old and getting pregnant and um, struggling of college and everyone else was going off to travel the world and to live whatever they wanted to live and all of a sudden I had this whole other thing happening and my mind was just going nuts around it like it was it was it was a it was a it was an interesting you know moment to come into there and and there was a point where I remember the the energy of surrender coming in so deeply where I just was able in some way, you know, my heart was open, touched so deeply that all of this mental chatter around what my life was supposed to look like at that point really was able to fade away. I, you know, I, I graduated from college and then all of a sudden I was like, boom, like whoosh, like came into my heart, came into surrender, I would say, even more than coming to my heart. Like it felt like you know, all of this story about what I had wanted to live at that point in my life was just completely whew, uh, let release and let go of. And I came into this deep place of surrender and openness and uh, embrace of, of this moment, this path of what the universe had given me, the gift I had been given to have a child at that age and and it was it was a surrender of coming into my heart so deeply that I was able to drop all of that story and just fully open to that experience and become a mother and and embrace it and I know that there's there's been a lot of people that that have gone through a lot of resistance and around a, a similar situation and for me there was there was a surrender and a melting in to release all of that, all of the resistance that could possibly be there, all of the desire to do something else with my life and just fully, fully be in the moment with that. So that was, that was a big one. Did the, did the, did the, did the surrender occur when, uh, when your son was still in your body? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think there was a, for me, there was a shift. Like once I graduated from college, there was something like in that field of like all the other students and friends and what they're going to do and what I had planned for myself at that moment. Um, when I was, when I just kind of closed that chapter, I had another half of my pregnancy left at that point. And I, you know, I just went towards the surrender piece and embraced it fully. So there was, there was a, a shift that happened when I was able to, uh, I think, move on or close that chapter and, that that was so huge. I remember um, I remember the song that the women at the blessing way for me were singing. The song speaks of opening up in sweet surrender to the luminous love light of the one. Oh, wow! And and that was just such a, an incredible, pow- incredibly powerful. That that ceremony in and of itself was powerful for me. They they created a um, uh, a, a ritual, a ceremony where I remember there was an actual um, 
like column or a pathway made in women on each side of this path, creating the path for me that I, I was invited to walk through this portal. And on one end of the portal where I was, was me as maiden. And on the other side, as I, you know, approached the other end was me as mother. And they invited me to go through this portal, this, you know, this ritual where they created this path for me and held the space on the other side of this path. And I, as I walked through, I, I paused and I spoke and I, I, I made prayers and I, I released and I, um, you know, all of these kind of stories and different things. I had this opportunity through this ritual to let it go and then to also call in what I was deeply invoking, which for me was surrender. It was, this is my life. This is what God, goddess, universe, you know, whatever yep. has chosen for me. And I'm going to surrender fully and be fully in, in, in this and in my heart and, and embrace it fully. So that ritual was powerful for me in being able to, like, kind of, acknowledge the stories, the mind, the, the subconscious, the fears, the different um, blockages and obstacles, and then to also have the support of this community that, that just felt they so deeply had my back. They so deeply witnessed me in this process, and, and that, that was a huge thing, to, to have the container of um, sisterhood, of support, of community to hold me as I went through this really beautiful and powerful and intense process where I, I left behind in some ways my maidenhood that you know part of me that wanted to just be wild and free and I, I stepped into being a mother and embracing receiving this child so fully into my life and into my heart and yeah, 14 years later, it's, you know, still going. We're, we're doing good. Oh, uh, no, it's, a, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a beautiful cat, and uh, you're obviously a very involved mom. I, um, you know, part of, uh, part of the, um, kind of getting to the soul level, I mean, was the idea that you were committed to being a single parent? Did you have support? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did have support. I mean, I was I was with his father for the first couple of years and, you know, slowly kind of, you know, extricated from that. It wasn't the right partnership for me. And um Can I ask you a question? The what what, what did did he did he become too needy at some point? Uh I mean, what what was it that made it not the right fix because i guess what i'm trying to say is uh you know i i mean after 13 years my marriage dissolved okay mm -hmm. after you know we had two beautiful children and um and uh, they are you know angelic and and you know mm -hmm. and beautiful but the our situation just over time i mean it's i look at it as a chapter in my life and i don't see it as a as a you know sort of a tragic thing um mm -hmm. it just there was no love after a while mm. there was no mm. real love and um i just don't quite uh and so i understand it from my point of view but i i wonder was it a, a decision that you made to extricate yourself or did he actually extricate himself um it was a, it was a decision i made um you know i was i was young and um 
in over my head in many ways. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I think that the, what it was for me on a deep level was, um, I, I need, I need evolution and I need ultra conscious, uh, <laughs> people in my life. And, uh, that, that doesn't include, you know, it's like, when there's energies of unprocessed, unconscious material that isn't really willing to be looked at or, you know, there's a lot of addiction energy and that's where that goes. There's like a numbing out right. that I think is so oh, prevalent yeah. in our in our society. It's like people we have we all have wounds. We all have ways that we've been stamped in in, in life that have created our personality strategies created the way that we navigate so that we either can get our needs met or don't have to have any needs to get met and so there's all of these ways that we do this and when we're not really able willing you know to 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 dig so deeply in those realms and and like rest into a place of our woundedness and go all the way through that portal you know, there's for me, there's something about being able to sit in the fires of transformation and feel how uncomfortable that is. And most people can't do that. Most people numb out. Most people, you know, don't want to feel it. They they go for whatever is going to um, soothe, you know, and comfort that place. And of course, that's important, too, to have our our comforts and to be soothed. But when when there's the addiction energy of like, it's so hard for, you know that for me I just I couldn't hang with that there wasn't an ability to to move through to right. the other side and to create the, the 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 conscious you know partnership that I that I would have wanted at that point well I really I mean I I, uh, I, I just would like you to talk about um, the actual process I mean you are somebody who's deeply connected to nature I mean if you were uh, you know you could easily be a, a root from a hundred year old tree, uh, yeah. you know, in reincarnation. And, and um, I, I, can you talk about the, the actual process of, of birthing your, your son? Mm. I mean, was it, was yeah. it, um, did you have any epidurals? Was it all natural? Yeah. And, and ultimately, um, you know, I'd like you to just talk about how that transformed you, how it transformed your body, how it transformed you psychologically, and also mm. um, because it's it's you know it's glossed over to a degree, mm. but it's incredibly important. And here you are in the peak of your womanhood at twenty. Not that you I mean you're still really young, but it, you know you're there at twenty three, and here you your body's changing, and um, mm. and then you have to um, take on. Um, you know this this cherished being. You know, I just wanted you mm -hmm. to talk about that that whole experience. Uh, mm -hmm. um, my gut tells me you had a doula and went through all the natural mm -hmm. processes, but I I just like you to talk about that. Sure. Yeah, I had a midwife. Um, I was blessed here. In, I was in Boulder, Colorado, and there's um, a lot of that here. There's there's a, a culture of natural birthing and and doing things as naturally as possible and. I mean, that was, there was no question for me. I knew I was going to do it that way and um, didn't even think twice about it, like didn't even consider going to a hospital. And, you know, I was, I was pretty young and idealistic in so many ways, but that was one of those things, like was not going to go to a hospital. 
And um, explain explain that explain that because I I talked to a, a a woman a few months ago and she talked about that idea of the just you know we've been indoctrinated mm-hmm. to go to the hospital mm-hmm. to have the baby mm-hmm. but in fact the the most mm-hmm. important part of the family it starts at the home so mm-hmm. that's where the baby should be birthed I want you that yeah well you know like like men you know these male doctors um in hospitals is a relatively new thing you know like in in the mm. let's just talk about the the um history of this patriarchal uh world that we live in you know with all of the witch burnings um right in europe and here in this country too and the, you know, the healers, the women who knew how to um, birth babies, the women who knew how to give the herbs that would help the woman to open her body and to, you know, from the childbirth. And, you know, that those were the women who were burned, you know, the, like the women who, who knew this ancient wisdom and this earth-based wisdom and this natural wisdom and healing and knowledge. And they were, they were, they were, the powers that be were threatened by this, you know, there's been a huge um, threat, you know, this squash of of the feminine in order to, whatever it might be, um, I, I actually feel a great sense of, you know, everything in its time, like, it's it's all, you know, it's all been as it's supposed to be, there's something that collectively we've lear- we've been learning through this whole process, and that squashing of the feminine wisdom and the feminine ways in order to find some sense of like power over it's it's all been a part of the journey so at this point i feel i feel like a sense of huh you know it's okay but coming into women on their backs in a hospital bed in a white sterile room and the doctor you know taking the baby maybe by forceps or whatever epidural so that the woman doesn't isn't present for the birth of the baby Mm. i mean it's been a a, a, an incredible loss i think for sure for women and for children and for families to have it be so unconscious you know to have your you you be knocked you're not even awake for it and the baby's drugged you know so they come into this world like drugged and uh asleep not awake at all and mm, and so that, and so when when you're so you you had no can you describe the like you talked about uh sitting in the fires of transformation mm. i mean that feeling of of mm. of that of you know that pain and suffering but also being able to feel yeah. naturally the yeah. birth of your of your baby yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's, it's, it is really related, the way we numb out, you know, and, mm-hmm. and numb ourselves out and right. don't feel, and being willing to feel it all, being willing to feel what is excruciatingly uncomfortable, and we were never maybe safe enough to feel as children, you know, there's, there's, there's been, there's a lot of, our culture doesn't teach necessarily the ability to stay with our emotional pain or to um, hold peace for each other in those places. We've, we have a culture of numbing out, you know, and, and to, in this day and age, it's like technology is one of the hugest ways we do that, you know, always on our phones, always on what's the next thing, what's the next thing, what's the next thing, and to just actually 
allow ourselves to rest into like a deep feeling sense, especially when it doesn't feel good, is huge. But that's where healing is, you know, when we can allow ourselves to drop away from this constant fleeing. You know, when we flee from a feeling, like you said the last time we were talking, what you resist persists. So when we flee from something, it's always just right there underneath the surface trying to get us you know it's like chasing us and we're just like trying to stay ahead of it and when we actually turn and face it and we say oh like you're fucking scary you know (laughs) whoa like this is totally scary and I'm going to turn around and look you in the eyes right, and see what's right, here. Right, right. All of a sudden, for me and my experience, it's actually not that big anymore. You know, it's like the Rumpelstiltskin effect. It's like <laughs> when you couldn't name him, you couldn't name him, couldn't name him. He's got so much power. As soon as she named him, whew, he just released completely. And it's this, it feels similar. You know, some things are bigger than others, and I'm not... Um, demeaning that and you know there's some really big things that people are healing in this world and it's a it's a big deal and we spend so much energy trying to not feel these wounds these shadow places and we spend so much life for resisting and you know trying to stay ahead of that that there's something about when we just turn and face it and like breathe for a few moments it does soften, you know? We get to receive the medicine of whatever that is, whatever that teaching is, whatever that gift. You know, one of my teachers used to say that any of these things, like he would call, he would say symptoms. Let's talk about the physical body. Any symptom, whether that be physical symptom or emotional or any of these traumas, is a gift in strange wrapping paper. Hmm. And so when we can hmm. actually, like turn towards it and say, wow, this is a really strange wrapping for this gift and I don't know what might be here but I'm going to turn towards this and soften my heart to feel what is here. I mean, huge rivers of experience and healing and transformation can happen in that space. That's the magic space. I've been speaking a lot lately about the quantum possibility, that quantum healing space. And that's that space. It's magical. It's like timeless. It's deep and profound, and there's that infinite potentiality, that miraculous energy in that space. And when we turn towards it and we open our hearts and we don't have an agenda about what we need to get out of this or what might be there, but we, get, we stay curious, it really um, is amazing what can, what can transform and alchemize in those moments. I just want to say that... Uh, uh, that uh the, what you resist persists and you've got to feel it to heal it. That was something that you said in some article that I pulled mm. off, off the internet. I don't want to take credit for that, but I'm, <laughs> but I, I mean, you, you, you have, you're a profound uh, wordsmith and uh, we have a, again, I'm going to play you an audio clip here. I don't expect you to, to know who it is, but I do want to, you to pay attention to what she's talking about and then we'll come back and break it down. Okay. Neither of my parents, they both, my father was Cherokee. He didn't grow up uh, in a Cherokee community on a reservation, but he held a lot of the values, the spiritual values of the Cherokee Nation. My father was also a Baptist preacher, 
And so I think I think that the the greatest thing was that, that came from my dad was to grow up with him explaining living our Christian religion, but also telling us that there it's the same thing. We're you know I think those who are on a spiritual path not always are religious. Um, but but with us, it was, we were both, and he would help us understand how there was God and everything, everything around us. My Indian grandmother did the same thing. She would come and take us all into the woods in the winter when it was cold and everything was was dry and no, there was no apparent life in the in the woods. And she would say, get something that you think is ugly. <laughs> and we would gather these baskets of these gnarly-looking burrs and sticks and things, and we'd go back to our house, and and Mama, her name, we called her Mama Coolidge, and she would arrange all of these things in, 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 in beauty and used paints and and would make a, make something beautiful out of everything. And she said, "There is beauty, and there's beauty everywhere." Um, so I, that was. My- All right, that was an um, uh, interview I did with. Uh, do you know the singer uh, Rita Coolidge? I've heard her name. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, definitely before, uh, you know, old school cat. But um, you know, when I look at your face, I say that you. You have? Do you have Native American blood in you? I have a little. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty distant and far, but it, it, I can see in sense. your face though that it's there. And mm-hmm. um, I do. I wanted you to talk about the whether it was in Maryland or or when you moved mm-hmm. to Boulder. The the idea of what she was talking about. These sort of. Um, I'm not going to say it was what her grandmother did was, you know, shamanic, you know, going out into the into what Mm. appeared to be a dead area and then finding life within it and beauty. But Mm -hmm. can you talk about um, the the, the organic, spontaneous nature of doing these practices to get people out of their the ambitions of the mind and to bring Mm -hmm. them to a place to for them to see where, the, where the, the eyes themselves may not see life, but yet there is life everywhere and there is beauty everywhere. And mm-hmm. how does Dana Serrate uh, do that? Mm. Well, um, I have a story coming to mind that feels like it ties in a bunch of what you're saying. Um, creating art is is exceptionally, it, it's soulful. It really drops us into the soul and into a, an experience where we can express what's in our soul and heart and drop out of the mind. So art, and so for her to go out into the forest and collect these, whatever they were, <laughs> and then come and create something beautiful is it's a cre- co-creative, you know, experience of really being able to shift energy, and that's what I heard in that. Like something that might not, you might not see it as beautiful. Then you can, you can, you know, you can c- create that alchemy and create something beautiful. And when I was in, I was in college, and I was studying fine arts. Um, I remember I was doing a lot of sculpture, and I would create these sculptures out of anything, you know, a lot of um, raw materials and 
nature, you know, going out into the woods. And I remember um, being in South Dakota with where my family, my mom, my mom grew up, her, my family, my mom had nine brothers and sisters. She is a twin and it was a very small town, about 700 people in South Dakota, right outside of the Pine Ridge Reservation. So it was a, they were nine of the 700, right? Or, <laughs> that's yeah, what, yeah. And nine kids yeah. of the 700. Yeah, wow. exactly. And you know, her, her aunt lived there too and had nine kids too. And so there was just, it was that, it was that culture and they would run around wild and Anyway, so my grandfather had a laundromat, and he used to run the laundromat, you know, for, for a long, long, long time. And at this point, when I was, I must have been 18 or 19 or 20, and I had gone to visit, and I'd gone up in the laundromat, and I'd found this rack of antlers <laughs> in, in the laundromat. And I, and I, for some reason, took it back. I don't know. Maybe he gave it to me, or I asked for it. I can't remember that part, but... I, you know, and I, you know, some of my family out there, you know, they have heads of deer and, you know, elk and, you know, all these on their walls in their house. You know, there's, a, it's a very rancher type of um, paradigm. And that was always a bit of like a, a, I think I spoke about this last time, a little bit of a struggle for me because I felt such a strong and deep connection with Native American um, tradition, wisdom, maybe something timeless in there, something from past lives, something from some spiritual connection. And then my family, my blood family, you know, were, were the, you know, the, uh, the cowboys, you know, and um, with these heads on their walls. Anyway, so I took home this rack back here and I created art and I, I created this, I can't remember all the materials I used, but I remember it being like, some sort of big, massive piece of bark, and it, it looked like a yoni. There was this, you know, vagina, basically, uh, that was part of this sculpture, and there was this big rack of antlers, and and I put this together, and I didn't know what I was doing. I just was doing it. I just, <laughs> I just followed. Yeah, it was free. It was, you were free. It was. Yeah. I was free, and I just was in this creative flow, and and I went to my sculpture class to present it to the class. And as I presented this sculpture to the class, I took a bundle of sage and I, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just did it. it. There was just like a, I didn't even think about it. I just took the sage and I started saging this sculpture. And in that moment, in that what became a ritual a ceremony for me in that presentation, I realized I was healing these two parts of myself, these two parts of my own lineage which was my blood, you know, this cowboy, you know, rancher, you know, cowboys and Indians kind of like juxtaposition. And then this part of me that was so soulfully and deeply connected to Native American tradition and prophecy and the, the energy that that holds, which is really connection to nature and all of life and being in a relationship, all my relations, you know, being, walking in a good way, in, in connection to all, and being in connection, really, to the spirits of the earth and the ancestors, and, and, and acknowledging that we are not isolated, but we are all part of this great web of life, and so in that moment, as I'm staging this, I, I experienced the deep healing in myself of bringing these two parts of me into wholeness, and having some sense of beauty, some sense of alchemy come from that, like, it was a struggle. Like, I didn't quite know how to, to 
I don't know how to bring these two parts of myself together, but through that art and through that ritual, I did, and it shifted something deep within me. Um, every when I when I when I ask you um, these questions, a lot of times you say, "What's coming to me is this story," and um, you mentioned last time about um, being a visionary, um, and uh, part of that is just sort of you know, you know, just that's your sort of your almost your habitual nature is you know wanting to move forward and 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 do your thing and 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 uh and it's it's sometimes it's hard to to stay and be grounded as it is for everybody but um can you talk about uh what you see right now in the as you move forward uh mm. in your um um evolution like what is um mm. i mean obviously you have you know you 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 offer programs you offer uh, you know, you have festivals. You're, 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 you are um, somebody who has a lot of credibility through a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. But, um, like, hmm. what, what, what do, you, what do you see? Not, what do you see? Uh, maybe it's not completely clear, but what, what is a, pro- a prophecy in, that you see now? Hmm. Um, don't be humble. Hmm. Please don't be humble. A prophecy that I see. So a vision I hold. A vi- and I'm talking about something that, like, you know, you, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, maybe you don't, maybe you sometimes uh, don't want to always acknowledge it, but it, it, it continues to sort of come mm-hmm. into, um, it, it, it's coming into fruition in some way. But just something that yeah. you, that there, there, we're at a point now, I mean, on a macro level, we know there's an imbalance Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you are like, um, you know, you don't hide the fact that you're, you're not somebody who is, um, I mean, you are really, really working on all your habitual nature and, 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 and then the things that, that have really held you back. And, and, and I just wonder now at a point mm-hmm. where you're kind of, um, you, you've kind of you know, you're not at the mountaintop, but you, you can see it. And, mm-hmm. and I just wonder what prof, what, what you see as a visionary, because every time I ask you these questions, you know, you're very quick to, it, it, I love it. You say what's coming to me. Mm-hmm. And I like mm-hmm. that. And so what's, mm-hmm. co- what, what is coming to you, Dana, mm-hmm. on a, um, on a personal level outside of your professional life, but just, just in, as a, as a human being, what, what, what do you see? Hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, uh, you know, so many things, so many, <laughs> so many layers. So many. Levels. It's like a, a shopping list. Yeah. Yeah. So many layers and levels. Um, you know, personally for me, I'll start there. I feel that there's a sense of I don't have to effort so much anymore. I don't have to over effort, you know, I, I'll, I'll share this, you know, my experiences um, in India over the past little over a year, been in India three times and, and studying deeply there and experiencing the transmission of the, the land there, the Ganga, the river, the Holy River and the Himalayas and 
the the experience of what the land holds has been really powerful for me, the transmission there, and also the transmissions from my teacher Anand over there. And there's something that I feel really shifted in me around being able to surrender a little more deeply or a lot more deeply into the field of grace that is running the show. Hmm. And to really work my edge of not needing to do anything or create anything or um, effort after anything from my own will or my own mind or my own sort of smaller sense of self. Like there's such a culture of ambition here in the United States and I would say in Western culture there's a, there's a, a huge amount of what are we going to be? How are we going to achieve? Who are we becoming? Who are you? You know, we're asked as kids, what are you when you grow up? That's the number one question, you know, kids get. Yeah, and what so the heck are they supposed, how are they supposed to even answer that question? Exactly, but you know, we're sort of trained in that way, collectively conditioned to always be trying to be something and achieve something and to get the upper hand in some way. And there's so much competition and there's so much. And so what's been really coming more and more and more and more alive for me is that I actually don't have to do anything myself, that there is a co-creative power that when I just simply soften into the field of grace and allow the energy of this great, beautiful, universal intelligence, this cosmic intelligence, the intelligence of Mother Earth herself to stream through me, that that's, that's where, that's the sweet spot and that's where the creation actually serves the evolution of all and the beauty of all my relations. It's not about me. It's not about what I can be or look like or have or, you know, not have. It's it's actually about how can I get in alignment so deeply with my own soul stream, which is in connection. The soul is in connection to all that is. And allow that to stream through and know that whatever is happening is happening for you know, the highest good for all. It's like we live in this crazy moment. There's all kinds of political strife. There's all kinds of, you know, some people say and feel that this is the the final throes of the patriarchy. It's like as it goes down in flames, it's like flailing and screaming. I will not let go. It's like the death of the ego. The ego does not want to die. <laughs> it will do anything it can to, to survive that death. You know, and I'm sure we've all, everybody listening here has experienced that to some form or another where you, you know, you fight tooth and nail. And so some people, you know, say that that's what's happening right now. You know, there's a, there's an energy of fighting tooth and nail from this force of, you know, imbalance and dis-ease and stress that is so rampant and has taken over this planet. I, you know, there's a story, I love the story of Durga. She's a great, fierce warrior goddess in the Hindu tradition. You can tell the story if you want. Yeah, so Durga is the great goddess. And um, so there, it's, it's a time when the, the gods and the demons are, wow, like there's a lot of stress on planet Earth. The demons have taken over and they're wreaking havoc on the Earth, much like the time we live in today. And the gods don't know what to do. The Davies, they're like, you know, and, and this, this great demon the sort of king of the 
the hill at that point is this this figure who had done so much practice he had done so much tapas is the word in sanskrit tapas like the fiery practice the discipline the 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 meeting this you know every day in and out like devoted to this this tapas he'd done this so much that he had been granted this boon that no man or god could defeat him hmm. so this this force this energy was so strong and powerful that this boon which means really a blessing he had been given this blessing by the great creator that no man or god could defeat him and so the gods don't know what to do you know it's like things are going downhill faster and faster and faster for everyone on the planet and and then at a certain point someone had a light bulb go off in their head and said oh no man or god they didn't say anything about the goddess and so mm. they went mm. and they went and they and they went to the the mountain where Durga lived and they pleaded and pleaded and they said you know Durga you're the only one who's going to be able to defeat this 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 battle you know to be able to bring us to where we need to be and and they 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 sang to her they sang her praises they prayed for thousands and thousands of years you know they they did their tapas there they they prayed and they asked and they sang and finally Durga appears and she says okay I'll help you and she is radiant and beautiful and and the power of Durga is that she, she is so deeply deeply grounded and connected to her truth and to her love that she is unswayable and so she enters this battle and she's riding on her tiger she's fierce and she's got her eight arms of weapons and she's just unmessable with and she goes into this battle and these demons you know which really represent our ego thought forms the lower vibrational energies jealousy fear doubt greed all of these sorts of things they they come at her and they 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 start you know grabbing at her and trying to whisper in her ears and and she is so grounded in her devotion in her love in her truth that they just they they it's sort of like they just get burned up like moths in the flame there's just no touching her and she's walking through this battle and she's just sort of nonchalantly swinging her weapons and her her arms and you know swatting away these demonic forces like left and right and walking straight through this battle and there's something and she 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 ends up defeating the great demon and restoring balance and harmony to the earth and it's a short version of the story many variations many ways that that goes but there's this time that we're living in on the planet right now where things have gotten so bad in so many ways you know you 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 speak to the scientists you go to the the research facilities you read these reports and and it's looking pretty dire so many directions and there's this way that each of us in this like almost final hour right in this um moment are being called to our greatness we're being called absolutely. to absolutely ground and anchor so deeply in our own truth and love that we are unswayable and that we can walk into the fiercest of situations and and stay anchored in that place and be impactful and create the change we want to see in the world 
And so I feel like this time is, is a call for each and every one of us to find that in ourselves. And we see it happening all over this planet. I was just at a beautiful with Xavier Rudd, incredible musician. And he spoke to that. And he said, you know, we're in this place and it looks pretty dark. It looks pretty dismal. But everywhere I go, I see how quickly consciousness is moving, how quickly evolution is happening, how so many people are waking up dramatically all over this planet. And that is something to be celebrated. There is a movement of consciousness. There is an awakening happening that's growing ever more active. The momentum, you know, it's gaining momentum. And for me, there's that hold in my vision, in my high intention, in my um, consciousness, in my prayer, in my ritual, that there is this quantum uh, healing possibility. Not even possibility, like, like, it's there, holding it, that quantum, a quantum level, a quantum leap in consciousness is something that each and every one of us has the capability to do, and not only has the capability, but we're designed to do it. We've come into this earth in these human forms to find that divinity within us and to realize it. You know, that's the whole yogic path, the whole yogic teaching, that we are here to realize that un unity consciousness. And that's rippled out and shared by, I, I would say, all spiritual traditions that have this this level of action. Do you, do you, do you feel that, I'm sorry, I mean, I don't want to cut you off. I, I want you to continue if, if there, if, if this, I don't want to cut just, you off. Yeah, just, just to hold that, that, I feel like that's what we're each being called to, to hold that level of um, quantum miracle possibility mm. that each and every one of us can shift with ourselves and shift the collective ship you know that we're going that we can steer the ship in the right direction so that's the vision i'm holding that you know in the in the in the in the in the, in the one of the native american prophecies the prophecy of the seven generations this might be black elk i think you know seven generations to come then then this this rainbow tribe comes together and all of us hold hands, the red, the black, the white, the yellow, all of the different peoples of the earth hold hands and we get to realize this unity together and we get to create the, the, the life on this planet that, that we really want. So I hold that in my vision, absolutely. Hmm. Do you feel that... Um I talked to a uh, a female singer, Shannon McNally. I've done a couple interviews with her, and she's um, she said that um, when she cut her or she was about to cut her first album, and she uh, got pregnant, and um, and basically, uh, you know, you've been talking a lot about this this fall of the patriarch, the last the last gasp, this last anguished cry of the, the patriarchal hierarchy and um you know this is she was very she is very talented and 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 is a very much an authentic artist but uh her when um so her album was made made and they were trying to figure out how to promote it and and um you know get it out and whatnot and when the producer and her manager found out that she was pregnant uh they said nobody wants uh you know uh, you're, you know, your career is over. Uh, nobody wants 
a uh, a pregnant uh, you know that's not you're you're not able to to sell that quote unquote and it was mm-hmm. and they dropped her uh, mm-hmm. and it took her a long time to um, eventually get the album out but I thought mm-hmm. it was somewhat cruel in mm-hmm. so many ways um, uh, to sort of um, discriminate uh, and really sort of almost out of I don't want to say it was out of envy, but just sort of this idea of saying, all right, uh, you know, um, we're done with you because you are bringing life into this world as a woman. And um, and and I guess, I, you know, you've you've spoken. I don't get any sense of hostility towards, uh, you know, men, uh, you know, as a whole um, from you. Uh, but, uh, you know, I. I, I have you have you had a, can you talk about how how the intestinal fortitude that it takes for someone like Dana Saray who is quite honestly operating you are operating on a, a totally different frequency at, at, at least at the, on these interviews that most normal cats are which is really a beautiful thing because when you can operate on a certain frequency it's a very special thing whether it's in music or whether you know whatever it is um, can you talk about something or uh, some some mm-hmm. some something that you've had to overcome as a female in mm-hmm. you, in your field um because of the the patriarchal uh mm-hmm. sort of uh system that we've that mm-hmm. we that we're we're witnessing possibly the uh the 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 uh the death of mm-hmm. um you know say that for me, it's been it's been more of a inner journey in many ways. I've I've always worked for myself. Well, not always, but mostly, <laughs> have kind of yeah, like forged my own trail. Right, you ways. are a pioneer. So, yep. Yeah. So and so I I sort of came in. You know, I'll I'll share with you. Can I share with you a dream that I Please. had? Please. So several years ago at this point, which was a real it was an initiatory dream for me it was a it was a powerful dream and in the dream um okay so in the dream i was in a sort of a cave or a cavern or a basement and i was with a group of women it was the sisterhood and we were together and we knew they were coming and it was the moment where we had to flee. We had to um, say goodbye. We had to let go of this sisterhood. We had to let go of each other's presence. We had to run and flee and hide because they were coming for us. They were coming to, you know, chop our heads off or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I'm in this cave, and we and there was an instant we were around the corner. We did this. Oh, phew, we we fled. And what I did was I sucked my energy up into a tiny little ball and I fled down the heat vent. Somehow there was a heat vent here and I, <laughs> I, and I just traveled down this t- little tunnel underground for a long time. And the rest of the dream was different scenes from different lifetimes of this running, this like I remember one scene, there was some some big black cars kind of coming after, and I sort of kept hidden, small, and running, just like 
I sucked my energy up into a small little 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 places and kept kept that frequency throughout all of these different lifetimes and and I had a I had a special friend in this dream he was a little leprechaun being and he would show up in all of these different scenes and he showed up to re remind me that this was this was the case this was happening I still had to run I still had to be in that frequency and the last scene of the dream modern life modern era I was in a shopping mall and you know my dad energy was kind of in this sh this shop with me and there were um, I was looking at something on the wall there was, was a store and I was looking at something and you know each of these scenes was sort of like a new lifetime like I didn't remember and that leprechaun being would show up each time so it was a new scene new lifetime I was in the shopping mall looking at something and I looked down on the floor and I see my leprechaun friend and this time he's lying down and he's like relaxed and I remembered and I woke up from this dream and I remembered and I remembered this experience of so many lifetimes of having to shrink my energy up really small and stay hidden and stay running and invisible and in this moment, this initiation of this dream and this awakening from this dream and this remembrance, I realized I don't have to do it this time. That's not this lifetime. It's not this story for me. I know that there's many women on the planet at this point that that's still their story. That's still the paradigm they might find themselves in. That's really real and true for, for many women on the planet. But for me, there was a realization that not this time. This time, I can get as big as I need to get. I can shine as bright as I need to shine. I can bring in my full power, potential, healing, love, light, bliss, consciousness fully. All of that medicine, all of that stream. And there's been a process of realizing all of this patterning, all of this lifetime, all of this energy of suppressing, holding, closing, tightening around it all. So there's, there's been, for me, a personal journey around, okay, in each moment showing up and like noticing this, this dilemma in my system, this, this old way of being of maybe shutting my voice down, not speaking my truth, cringing back, being small, tiptoeing, you know, that sort of energy. And then also coming into a place where, no, like I don't actually have to do that in this lifetime. Like that is a mandate that spirit has given me. I know this deeply in my cells that this one is about getting big and, and filling and taking up space and being so bright that everyone else has to, can't help but fall in love with that brain and shine themselves as bright and powerful as they are. And so this energy for me has has been a, a theme for a long time and I think for so many women but also for so many men I really want to presence that this is not a man woman issue this is masculine imbalance and feminine imbalance these are energies out of balance and each and every one of us has the masculine and the feminine within us and so there's this way of rooting out maybe the patriarchy or this these energies of oppression within ourselves and the way that we've taken that on and the way that we've done that both to ourselves with with the guilt and the shame and the the power over 
and all of those ways that we've played out this patriarchal energy within ourselves first. That's, that's the fundamental very first place to go. And once we go there and once we can start to unpack that and dig that out and, and find balance within ourselves of these masculine and feminine energies, find softness to balance this, you know, over-dominance energy, this overly ambitious energy, find the, the melting of the heart space and the surrender into the moment and the intuitive creative power of, of Shakti, of the feminine energy, and bring those two into balance in ourselves that's that's the magic that's fully where transformation for both individually and collectively gets to happen so for me it's been a very personal journey I'm sure I could think of moments where um, you know bosses or lovers or you know different different parts of the world has has activated that energy right for me there's something powerful about turning it you know looking looking within and seeing these themes and threads and then allowing you know it's like I'll just say one more thing around this um, I've studied very deeply a, a somatic psychotherapy technique called Hakomi you know what I, I you know what I, I want to tell you I actually I don't want to I I want to do a whole I actually want to do a whole video segment on this somatic psychotherapy I don't mm. even I don't even want to go into it in a uh, audio format. I want to do it in a full-on video format. And I mm. and and you um, you asked me to keep you to uh, sixty minutes today. And I, I you know and I, Dana, it became very clear to mm -hmm. me that um, I consider you um, uh, a, a teacher for me uh, in so mm. many ways. Uh, and mm. because I, I am so needing to. So many of the things that I've transcribed, which I hope you don't mind, I, I put up on new media <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, these stories. So much of it is stuff that is, is, is in an incubative phase for me. And I absolutely need to continue to cultivate um, so much of dropping to the heart and then ultimately dropping to the soul and, and, just, mm -hmm. and just living it. And mm -hmm. um, you have um, provided so much verbally like i said you're able to express these things in ways that uh mo a lot of times people get lost or you know that you you do it in such a way where um i just need i i i, I just you i consider you my teacher and um mm -hmm. so i actually would like to um sometime maybe in the fall or the late summer I'll find a time to come to visit you so we can so I can work on these things and you can help me with these things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd be happy to do that Jake yeah yeah because uh, like the the somatic psychotherapy I, I think that to me it's like that's something that I want to receive but then also uh, have a full-on discussion about because it's not just me as a as a male, as a human being uh, in this world who's sensitive and open and trying to inspire, uh, there are so many people, uh, like you know, that have buried things that are still operating on a certain level. Um, this stuff, if it's articulated properly by a spiritual being like yourself, um, then it's going to impact that many more people. And I often, my only other my only other question before I let you go is like, do you do you feel like an obligation to 
not an obligation, but I mean, do you feel like um, that you sometimes speaking to or offering to a very sympathetic audience? And do you feel like an area that you need to grow in is to, um, I mean, not mm-hmm. go where you're not wanted, but I mean, go to people mm-hmm. that have to start to not convert, mm-hmm. but to inspire those who who don't have this sort of longing for the nurturing that you provide? Do you feel like you need mm. to not just, I don't want to say you're preaching to the choir, but the people that are showing yeah. up, you know what I'm saying? Do you, I mean, do you, is that something? I do know what you're saying. Yeah. I do know what you're saying. And I, I think that's absolutely super important. What you're sharing and what you're speaking to is there's a lot of need on this planet. And um, I have found myself in, you know, we call call, call our lovely community the Boulder Bubble. And, um, you know, it's no doubt there's a bubble there. (laughs) Yeah, there's a there is a um, uh, while I feel like everyone has a need to to continue to unravel, um, to unfold and to flower open. You know, I love this like flowering open, like we can bloom open the end to that. There's no limit. It's infinite. The expansion that 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 this path of self-realization and awakening offers us so there's no you know it's like everyone uh can benefit and at the same time there are lots of people who are who are only just beginning their their path and their journey you're speaking to and can really be benefited by having some of this wisdom and you know i think for me when i when i go into those places i i have to really know how to simplify a little bit right and, and, that to and, me is and, the most inspiring thing is 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 you can have all these incredibly vivid dreams but it's like when you go in and you can feel an, an uncomfortable energy then you got to center yourself and simplify and then mm-hmm. be have clarity you know absolutely it takes a lot of attunement you know to the energy of a place of a person and i think i said this last time trusting that one little drop in the bucket can be enough you didn't say that, that last time. I don't. You didn't. Nothing you said today was repeated from last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like yeah. little baby steps, like little drop in the bucket. That like someone just opening and feeling their heart a little bit more is going to be huge for them. You know, I find I find for me at the beginning of the spiritual journey, there's it's it's sort of like a the diamond is really 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 rough mm. and like when you're like when you're uh, what's the word um. Uh, sanding, you know, this gemstone, there's like this, it's like huge, the chunks that come off, you know, they're <laughs> big and they're like getting, and it can be so massive for people that who are beginning their journey to start to unravel things and it's just so much, so much, so much and that's really beautiful and then at a certain point, it's like you get the finer sanding paper, you know, and you just start refining and refining and that refining doesn't necessarily have an end and yet the process can look a little different. So being able to show up to those types of communities and people and places that there's a, a different level of the process, I find super valuable and I'd love to actually step into that more in my journey. Yeah, well, I mean, I want to base with my uh, tentacles out on new media, I want to be able to uh, continue to drive consciousness, uh, not just through uh, vibrations of the masters of music and the conversations I have with them, but uh, the metaphysical um, and the uh, and the and the spiritual. Uh, I thought the one thing that Rita Coolidge said that was interesting. You know, there's 
you, you, you can respect someone who's religious, but you can also respect people that are very spiritual. And I think that you are uh, somebody who, um, I've just been cutting my, my way out of, out of the woods with a machete for a long time. And I, and, and mm. one day I just looked over and I, I saw you there in the woods and you weren't, um, you weren't panicking. You were, you were already, I mean, whatever, the diamond is not as rough as it once was. And, um, mm. I feel, um, I just, when I, when I, when I hear you talk about your experiences, I just know that, um, it's stuff that I actually need to, um, apply deeply in my existence, uh, in order, mm -hmm. in order to thrive, to keep thriving. And, um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I will, I will, uh, send you, uh, a, a proposal and then, uh, we can go from there. But I, 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 uh, always, um, really enjoy uh i mean you your stories are i never under i never get them the first time around but then when i transcribe <laughs> them then they really <laughs> hit in and so uh i mean you're you clearly are well read because you 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 speak as if you are, are talking out of a book have you written a book uh, yet are you writing a book or at all or? um i i sort of started well, a few years ago to write a book but put it down yeah, well, I guess what I'm saying is like I guess this is my contribution to whatever comes out of it is these transcriptions um uh uh also um you know they 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 paint it in a in a different light because it's actually, you know, spontaneous and it's um and it's mm -hmm. and it's on it's in the moment and um yeah. and so I, I you know, anything I can do to for my teacher is um uh, is very uh I, I feel very humbled and, and blessed to be able to do that. And so, um, I, mm. um, yeah, it was, um, it's always delightful to, to, um, to converse with you and, um, I will get you a, um, you know, we're only six minutes over an hour. So I will always, <laughs> I will always, uh, honor your mm. requests and, um, and, and, I, and you, you know, uh, do you, do you have any expectations for the, the, the festival that's coming up that you're, that you're provide like that you're offering expectations no that's what i'm saying or is it just like or is it just like hey let's just you know be ourselves i mean I, that's yeah you just want to well i'd love to give a little plug for Hong go ahead Festival. yeah 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 it's happening next weekend june 14 to 17 it's always the second weekend wow. in in uh june in boulder colorado or second or third i think it's the second um and it's it's a really beautiful gathering of souls it's a yoga festival, yoga and music, and there is a lot of light there. And the container is really a safe and magical container that allows people to do some deep healing and growth and evolution and also to celebrate and have so much fun and connect. So it, it's, it really holds this very heart-centered energy. Hanuman is the, the great monkey god of strength and power and devotion and just such humbleness and simplicity and love and I feel that we really do um, hold that energy at the festival and so it's it's open to we have a community village and it's open to the public to come and experience a lot of different things for free and then there's some amazing renowned you know classes with master teachers who offer some deep dives into the practice. And what I hear more and more, what people come away with is a sense of belonging, a sense of community, a sense of heart, a sense of having shared something really powerful. And for me, my intention is always to hold that 
whatever happens there, it ripples out into the world. Absolutely. And it, and it, and it, and it lights people in it, and it, it offers, it contributes for the benefit of all. So, yeah, Hanuman Festival is next weekend, and if anybody out there wants to join us, we'd love to have you. Super beautiful spot in the middle of Boulder on the river, and so lovely. We gotta pop that bubble. Make sure more cats get inspired. You know. That, yeah, it, it, we also have online programs through Hanuman Academy, which are super amazing programs to deepen into these types of themes that I've been sharing about. And um, so, yeah, you know, you're everyone's welcome to <laughs> check it all. Well, out. you know, I'm I, I, I'm gonna have my own, yeah, my own visit. But that I I, I honestly, uh, I hope you, uh, I hope you have a ball, and I hope that. Um, you know, um, I don't just keep being yourself because I, uh, I am very proud of, so proud of you and, uh, mm. so proud of all your accomplishments and, um, yeah, I look forward to, um, to the things to come, Dana. Have a, have a, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Jake. So nice to talk to you too today. I have really appreciate the space you hold and the, the intention that you hold. It's really beautiful. So thanks for sharing your heart and, Thank you to everyone who's listening and so much love all around. Love always. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Part two in the books with Dana Saray. We'll be right back with Ethan Miller on the Jake Feinberg Show.